What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to a long-awaited another episode of the Tip of the Cap podcast. I am here with right-handed pitcher in the Diamondbacks organization, Connor Gray. What's going on, Connor? Not much. How are you? Oh, not so bad. Thanks for coming on today. I appreciate the uh, appreciate the time. No problem. So, uh, Connor is a Western New York boy who is playing professional baseball, which is every kid's dream. And you know, when I started the podcast, but one of the things was to get the uh, get info out to people and kind of educate people on the world of baseball, not just in Western New York, but around the world and what it takes to get to, you know, where a guy like you is at. And that's, you know, kind of why I'm excited to have you on. And one of a few guys I've talked to, uh, or going to be talking to, Dan Dallas is going to be on hopefully early next week. And, you know, got a couple other guys I'm, I'm working on getting on. So, uh, kind of where are you from? Where'd you grow up? What's your, uh, what's your story, man? Uh, I grew up in Frisburg, New York. Uh, I also went to high school there. Uh, then after high school ball, I went to St. Bonas. Cool. Um, now, growing up in the sun, you know, growing up playing summer ball, that's a huge conversation. There's a lot of summer guys I've had on here. Um, we are sitting at Charlie Karstead's place at Full Circuit. And uh, you know, where, where'd, you, where'd you play your summer ball? Because that's that's always the big one. Uh, these guys, who, who, played, who gets to claim you, we'll say. I played with a few teams. Uh, I, when I was, I think, 13 or 15 years old, I started playing with a team. Uh, it was called Stars Southern Tier All Stars. Uh, then, about my sophomore year, I started playing with a team out of Hornell, the Hornell Dodgers. It was a high school team. They have a collegiate team too, also. Uh, but I played with Coach Kenny there, and then I played a, with a team out of Fredonia too. Cool. Called Fredero. Cool. And uh, you said Frewsburg High School. Yep. And uh, positionally, you were a pitcher and a catcher. You were telling. Yep. Me. Yep, nah, I was, enjoyed doing both. So what was what, what was that life balancing? You know, a lot of guys you know, can't do both. Can't do both. Uh, knock on wood, I've I never really had any arm troubles with doing both. It was always more throw play catch for a couple minutes, and then right. I was good to Just go. Get after so, it, yeah. right? Yeah. So not um, anymore, but back then I could. <laughs> so uh, you're actually telling me an interesting story. You were originally committed to Fisher. And then ended up getting offered from St. Bonaventure to be a PO. Yeah, uh, the whole process. I I was getting recruited. I think the summer of my junior year by Fisher. Uh, I ended up going on a visit there, and then I was all set to go. And then I went on. I actually went on orientation there. I had I took like a two-hour chemistry test. It was like a placement test to see how Jeez. where the class was going. So I missed a day of school for it, and then. Playoffs started, and then uh, my coach said, St. Bonas wanna, wants to see you. So it was, I think after it was my Forest Regional game that they came to, and Fisher kept saying they would come to my games to watch me have just see me in one, one more game, and then before I get to I get there in the fall. So they kept saying it. They never, they never came up, and then Bonas came, and then he talked to me after the game and said he liked the way I pitched, uh, he wanted me for a visit. So after states, uh, I went on a visit there, and then uh, I liked what I, I saw, and it was close to home. It was Division One, obviously, so right. that was a big turn-on for it, per se. Uh, but then uh, I, I told him I'd go, and then I called Fisher. I, I'm like, you guys promised you, you were going to come to my games. You didn't, so you didn't hold up to your word. I was all set to go there. I like I wanted to play both ways. Right. So I'm like, you didn't hold up to your word. So I'm like, I'll just 
going to Bonas. Yeah. And obviously, ended up working out for you. Yeah, yeah. Um, so. Out of curiosity, a little sidebar, being a pitcher and a catcher for most of your life up until college, was there ever, have you ever, has that ever kind of come into play into you pitching, call like the, the, the calls that are made from your catcher or stuff like that? Have you ever been like, no, I wouldn't call this here? Uh, I mean, I've been fortunate enough to play with some pretty good catchers, so they kind of know how to call a game. Right. But obviously every pitcher know, or <laughs> knows how they want to pitch guys. And right. As you go higher up, you're developing a game plan before the game starts. And right. When as you get more information about your hitters, so it was all about trying to figure out what was working that day and trying to piece together a game plan after you go through the order and talking to your catchers mid-game and just keep going back and forth and communicating with them. Right on. So the uh, the jump from high school to Division One. You know, a lot of guys, and, and again, that's kind of the, the purpose of this and why one of the reasons I wanted to talk to you is. This, the jump from high school to Division One, I. I mean, it's that's got to be night and day. Yeah, especially going coming from a, a small school like Frewsburg, it was Class C, so I graduated with I think like 108 guys. So it was pretty sure that pretty sure that was my social studies class. Yeah, uh, it, it's it's pretty small. So uh, <laughs> uh, in high school, you'll see one two athletes that are pretty good, right? Uh, and then you can kind of cruise through a lineup if you're. You're going, and then, but once you get to Division One, it's, I mean, it's different from pro ball, but it's still where you have your top tier guys, but the, right. the bottom order isn't, isn't easy as well. So it's still, it's still a, a hard thing to get through. Right. So now, from a from a workload standpoint, um, you know, there's a lot of kids in the area that talk want to go D1. You know, every, everyone wants to go D1. You know, I, I yeah, wanted to go yeah. D1. Everybody wanted to go yeah. D1. It's you know it's the. the the shed some light on on the workload of playing Division One baseball and going to school because I mean St Bonaventure is like it's a private university right yeah yeah and I'm I'm going to assume they have some pretty high standards there so you can't just kind of muddle through school and be like yeah. I'm a and baseball player that it's even more with athletics because you have to have a certain GPA to be eligible through through it all so uh, it's all about time management uh, because you have practice. You know, practice in the fall for we had it for I think like a month, and then after that we were we had like a, a week or two off, and then we got in the weight room. So it's all about. Uh, I was a biology major, so I had labs, so right. I had to figure out what what days to put them on with practice, and when how am I going to miss practice, and when to make it up. So it's all about finding time, and then late nights in the <laughs> library, and then got lots of studying. Got to get between, it done. So. Yeah, that's. For for those of you listening to this, take take note of that. You know, if you're if you're a high school guy that's saying like, ah, oh, you know, I had like an hour of homework tonight. Like I really didn't get to the gym. That's yeah, may not may not work at the next level. You know, and I I I can talk from you know knowing guys that have gone to JUCOs and stuff like that too. It's 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 not really much different. Yeah, you know, I, so. I I played college football for a year and was transferred to Fredonia to play baseball. And like I I knew that that was you know. Even even at that level, you know, D three. I mean, it's not a joke. It's you know, and I can only imagine a, a private D one school like that being you know even more so. So then, uh, so you, you four years at Bonnie's, you yep. know, had pretty decent career, I assume. Yeah, yeah. Because uh, obviously you've, you you took the next step, which is every little boy's dream. You know, every every kid that plays wants to say, I got drafted. I don't get to play pro baseball. So walk me through the draft process that you went through. 
Uh, so my freshman year, as I was telling you before, uh, uh, my first outing in Florida, there was an Oriole scout down there, and he saw me pitch my first outing, and I threw pretty well down there. And then he was talking to my dad after, and then he was asking how old I was, and then he's like, "You expect to get some some letters or questionnaires when he when he's eligible." So, and as a four-year school, you're not eligible until you're a junior. So, right. so I had to wait a couple of years for it, and I kept going, kept doing my thing. And then junior year came around, I got I got the Oriole questionnaire <laughs> uh, winner of my junior year. So that was the first one I got. And then I got a few more later in the year, and then it was all, since I was a starter, the my, my subbrook would tell me when a scout was going to be coming. He would be like, okay, so-and-so team is going to be there, and just giving me a heads up or whatever, and I'd be like, okay, wouldn't, wouldn't really try to change anything, just go out there and do me. And then senior year is when it started to, to really pick up because after my or during my junior year he's like don't really or Subrick sat me down and he's like don't really expect anything because you're kind of undersized as a pitcher he's like you're only throwing 90 91 he's oh like <laughs> he's like that, that actually answers another question as an, under, I was ask you. as an undersized guy in college you're only six six one he's like it's not typically the frame that they're pro- projecting you right. to, to throw harder even though i was i think only 170 at that time and uh, so I'm like, okay, I wasn't really expecting anything. I went to a pre-draft workout for, with the Brewers that year. I'm like, if it happens, it happens. Uh, then nothing went by through that. One of my teammates got drafted. It was awesome to see. So he's still with the Orioles. Cool. Uh, and then senior year came around. It was like, if it, it was always Plan B for me, her, right. because my mom's a teacher, so she was always enforcing school comes first so it was always okay if baseball happens. for those of you listening at home hear that again so it was always baseball comes second after school so uh then senior year a lot of a lot of interest came and the diamondback scout kept or he came to see me in florida and then i got a questionnaire right after it after the game i pitched in and then he kept to, he kept coming to a few more of my games and then so i kind of assumed that he really liked me because of all the interest he asked about my signability and then uh so the draft comes around the season finishes i throw i finish out pretty well uh draft comes around i get a call the after the second day i think and it was the a's scout and he's like we're gonna draft you late if you're still available and uh i didn't get anything from the diamondbacks any before that day letting me know anything like that right and then so third day comes around so i kind of had idea that if i'm there I'm, the a's are going to take me right so uh it comes around i'm sitting on my couch watching tv with my girlfriend at the time and then uh actually my parents are like listening to the radio or the radio of the draft and they hear about it first and then <laughs> the scout calls me so then I talked to him. He's like, "We're gonna draft you," and then it was a whirlwind. He, and then he's like, "I'll call you back later tonight with all the details." So then we we go out and celebrate, go out to dinner, and then uh, he calls me back and he's like, "Okay, you're gonna need to go on a plane tomorrow and go out to Hillsboro because that's where our, like mini camp was." Right. 
and then they were going to sign you to the team off that and then so i'm like that's a little late notice it's already like seven o'clock here for me to pack and everything so he's like okay i'll get you another day to get there so i ended up flying out two days later so then i fly out get there went through a mini camp and then they assigned me to missoula so then i took a 13 hour bus ride i think nice nice short one huh oh yeah yeah so what uh what round did you officially go in i went in the 20th okay halfway okay so hey listen man better than not at all right yeah yeah exactly and uh so you got assigned you went on your 13 hour bus ride and what was it from there uh i got to my my place in missoula and then they tell you right there it's all right you have i think we're we start off the year on a five-day road road trip so we went to i think billings was our first our first place and they're like you have five days to find a place so it's like okay so luckily one of my my teammates who i was really close with uh his mom was a realtor so she started calling around and then she came out like right when we got home so she was fine she found us a place uh it was pretty close to the field we all we never we didn't have cars or anything right. so it was the the bike game <laughs> so we went to walmart got some bikes uh got some air mattresses and then living life right just so then it was to missoula and then uh halfway through the year there i got promoted to hillsborough cool and now um we, we were talking earlier you said you got you know you got pulled up to triple a a couple times yeah as high yeah. as triple a yeah um I I asked what the what the biggest difference was you know the the talent jumps and you said the biggest jump you saw was from high A to double A. Mm-hmm. Um, can you kind of kind of I mean the, the talent level at that at that spot has to be insane. Yeah, that's where you start to get all the with high A. There's still your your young guys. Mm-hmm. There's still a lot of it, it's. I mean, it's getting up there. So you still have some guys who are pretty polished. It's right. where, usually where or with most teams, it's where the high draft picks, their first full season, they'll go to high A to start off. Right. So you'll get you'll get some of them, and then you'll get the younger the younger Latin guys. So then, that's when they start to mature and everything, and then they get used to it. And then once you get to double A, that's that's where most of your prospects go. Right. So uh, you're facing a lot of the the team's top guys, and then so that's like where all of them are where you consistently go through a lineup and it's like okay it's, absolutely it's, no let up it's a like, grind to get don't, through don't get don't miss one to number nine because he can hit it almost as yeah. far as number four yeah so it's that's i think that's where the biggest jump is right i mean that's it, it this this stuff is cool to hear and it's fascinating you know for me because i've you know i've said it a million times on the show that i've you know if i were to rename this i'd call it telling stories one of my favorite things is always listening to uh Rick Lancelotti tells stories of his years in the minors and his years in the pros. So it's it's always fascinating to me to hear hear this stuff. And you know, you're you're the first pitcher I've talked to from this standpoint. Um, and it's it's so cool to hear that and to like to hear that the the biggest jump is high A to double A as opposed to double A to triple A. Because I think there's that misconception out there that that the double A to triple A jump would be yeah, massive. Yeah. And yeah. you know, to hear that it's just. I mean, is it is it just like a, a minor weeding out process at that point, or is it? So you know, uh, just, I remember my it was my first year. I was in Missoula, and we were I was charting. So I'm sitting back there with all the scouts, and they're like, and it was real, 
eye-opening experience talking to one of them and he's like 90 percent of you aren't going to get past high, or full full a right so i'm like wow what am i doing here yeah that's what i want to hear being a young young buck just fresh into pro ball i'm like oh wow that's that's not what i want to hear right. so it was like all right so that's where you start getting the guys who are like they're on the brink of making it your one call away they say once yeah. you get to double a so that's like that's the place awesome awesome so have you i have to ask have you have you had the opportunity to throw against anybody that like for the rest of your life be like i threw to this guy oh uh, like, I, I saw so and so on a rehab stint or yeah i got to see quite a bit of rehab guys through the Cal League because most like the Dodgers are right there. That's what usually where they send their guys. The Giants are right there. Uh, so we had a few guys who we got to saw to see. Uh, but I got to see Bumgarner throw one game. Yeah. Uh, I didn't get to hit against him, but I, I got to I got to watch him watch him work. So that was kind of cool. And then I got to face Justin Turner on a on a rehab start. So cool rehab. So that was that was cool facing him, and then Logan Forsythe was in the lineup with him, so right. I had to face them back to back. Oh jeez, so, yeah, that's so. he went over. Turner went over two <laughs> off me, so I got that. And then I remember my first year, I was in extended, and I faced Michael Morris, and he's a big dude, so like he's six 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 seven, and I remember I broke his bat and I jammed him, and he still hit it to the warning track. Oh jeez! I'm like, holy smokes! Okay, <laughs> if that's him breaking his back, I don't want to see him connect that one. Yeah, I don't want to see that boy barrel so, up, huh? Yeah, so I'm like, what's the? Uh, did, did you ever have like a kind of like an oh crap moment? Like, oh, I'm this is this is the real deal now. Like, uh, that my f- full year in or my first year in high A was. Uh, I was pitching well the first couple games. I'm like, oh, this I'm gonna. Hopefully, can do okay. I, yeah, I can. I'm gonna go do okay. Try to get promoted halfway through the year, and then we were in San Jose, and I didn't make it out of the first inning. I'm like, <laughs> all right, this is what it's about. And then, so that was. It's all about fine tuning stuff, and then right. trying to get better from there. So, now we were talking. Uh, we were talking before. You said your your out pitch is your curveball. Yeah. Um, and then you said, it, what was it? Your senior year of college, you were sitting around 91. I got up to I think ninety three, ninety four was college. Okay. I topped out at college, but okay. I was sitting ninety one, ninety one, ninety two yeah, consistently, yeah. and then up to ninety three, yeah. ninety four. So, were you obviously you know you had you had an electric arm growing up because you know that's how you get noticed as a pitcher, especially going to D one. And you know, were, were you a velo guy? Were you a spots guy? Were you combination of the two? Uh. I know it's I know it's a tough question. In high school, I think my freshman fall I topped out at eighty nine. So I guess I threw harder, and then I like to say I was a, a control guy. And at school, Subbrook preached, "Don't want guys. Right? Don't shoot yourself in the foot. Like that slows the pace the pace play down. Like put make them put the ball in play. Right. So as I got there, it was more don't want guys it was all about finding your control so 
I, I ended, instead of walking guys, I ended up hitting them. So <laughs> I ended up leading the conference, I think, three times and hit by pitches. But <laughs> well, I mean, if still making them earn it, right? Yeah, uh, I mean, eh, <laughs> kind of, kind of. A lot. Some of them were early in counts, and some of them were late in counts where I had the advantage. But uh, I was a two seam guy only in college, growing up too. Uh, I don't know what it was. It was always I always preferred to have the laces on my fingers like that. So. Uh, I, when I got off to the side of it, it kind of ran. Right, easy. So anytime I went inside and didn't have the right hand placement, it kind of ran into him. So taking taking ninety something and wherever it hits you, probably doesn't feel good. Yeah, yeah. So uh, now fast curve, obviously two seam yeah. curveball. Uh, now I'm four seam now. Okay, now so I kind of okay, so I switched. Right. I got beat too many times having it run back over the plate, so I switched right. to a four seam. And you mix in a changeup at all? Or? Yeah, I'm I'm the normal four. I'm okay. fastball, curveball, slider, changeup. Okay. Um, obviously, you're you said your out pitch is the curveball. Do, do you have a favorite pitch that's not the curveball, or is it just? Uh, when it's going good, I I can throw all four of them whenever right. I want. So that's when like you really dominate is when you can mix all every pitch where wherever you want it, whenever you want it. Right. So that's when whenever or when you're going good but uh usually it kind of takes me a while to have one of my breaking balls that whether it be the slider i'll have early or my curveball i'll have early so usually i'll have one of them right in the bullpen and i get a feel i'm like okay this is gonna be the one i start off with and then later as the inning or the game goes on i'll i'll mix in the other one right so i'll show it early but i won't be able to use it effectively right as i want it early in the game not so, knocking dimes with, yeah. with one of the two right yeah, off the so. bat when you're really going well is when you have both <laughs> of them and all three so but right um so where are you at now velocity wise just out of curiosity i topped out at 94 still okay uh in last year so now what has been going and spending significant time in double a and triple a What's been one of the biggest adjustments you've had to make? What's been one of the th- like biggest obstacles you've had to overcome? Uh, probably sticking to a game plan. Mm. Uh, I mean, before the before the game starts, as a starter, you sit with your catcher and put one together, and it's looking at all their heat maps, all their all their averages or expected averages versus each pitch, and then you're like, okay, what's their out pitch? What? Okay, where are they swinging at? What pitch? And then trying to figure out from there, and then and then putting together your strengths. What what do you do best? So, I think sticking to that, and then knowing what hitters to do what with. And that's like it's the it's as much as they say it's the cliche of it's ninety or ninety percent a mental game and then ten percent right. physical. It's that's very true. With as the higher you get up, you need to know what to do. How much how much homework do you do about hitters and like in league stuff like uh, that? Is, As I a mean, starter, you you sit probably 10, 20, 30 minutes before a game looking over all their <laughs> all their stuff, sometimes even longer if you want to watch a video to see their swings, to see if you see a hole, right. see if you see their plane or whatever. If they have, if they come down on it, then you can elevate with, with stuff. But it's all about knowing certain things and then piecing them all together. Cool. It's... Uh it's all fascinating to me. I, I love hearing this stuff because yeah, you know, it's just it's 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 just a different world from it's what you see. Definitely a learning curve 
as you go higher up it's you, you kind of have to do more and more right right so now do, do you know where you're going to start off this coming year no or? no, no. It's, gonna, it's always a guessing game of going find, find out down the yeah, road yeah once you get to spring training they kind of tell you their plans and then uh they give you an idea of what you need to do and then go from there so what's the uh what's the off season look like now just uh this year i've been trying to put on weight and then uh and then try to fix my mechanics because last year they they told me uh that i've al- i've always known that i haven't used my lower half properly so I was, I was always quad dominant so i'm not pushing with my butt through my my leg drive so i wasn't getting the full effect of being able to use my lower half and then because I was collapsing, and then so it was all about this year was trying to f- f- fix that. And after doing it for so long, it's <laughs> right. It's imb- it's just M- muscle memory goes yeah, the, goes like, the way you don't want it to right yeah, now. Yeah, so it was all it was trying to d- incorporate it and not have it affect how you pitch. Right. So, but this now I have a longer time where I can actually focus solely on that without worrying about pitching. So right now I'm just. With Charlie, I'm doing some drills to kind of manipulate my body in a way to be able to do it properly. And then, so kind of once I do it properly without on the mound, so then once I get on the mound, it's second nature. Right. So, now, now, does that that go hand in hand with a lot of hamstring dominant lifting, stuff like that? Yeah, it's a lot of putting myself in ways of being able to put myself in that position and then kind of like stay there and be able to get in and out of my hips and being able to load and balance with the proper and then being able to hip hinge and all right all the all the cool technical yeah. stuff that so it's all it's it's all about doing it and then just repetition and repetition and getting it down to a science what's the what's the hardest part about playing pro baseball because you know, everybody sees the the, oh. the glitz, the glamour, the dream, the you know. It's a grind. Uh, I mean, for for double A, the games are at six, so you get there at like one. Some guys get there even earlier. Uh, you, I think it was mandatory to be there by two. So then you go out for stretch. You do all your catch play stuff. Then you have BP, you shag. Uh, and then you wait around for the game. Game comes around, finishes around nine, and then some with the later games they start at seven, so you won't finish till ten, eleven o'clock. Right. You won't get out of there till eleven thirty. Sometimes then you eat. You you either eat at the field or you go out to eat after the game, and then you kind of have like a wind down process. So you're going to bed late. And right. Then, so you kind of have to sleep in in a way. Or wake up early and then go back to bed or whatever. So then it's like then you have to restart all over again. Right. And then depending on if you're on the road or whatever, and then after the game, <laughs> you go on a six-hour road or bus trip. So then it's like okay, you're getting in at three, four in the morning, and you have to be at the field. Right. Back at that time. So it's uh, like def- definitely sounds not nearly as glamorous as people yeah. have you believe, but. Obviously, it's and worth it. Then you it. have 140 games you have to play, so it's <laughs> right. It's right a now. long year. I can't. I, I can't imagine anybody who's doing it would trade it for anything. No, um, yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't trade it for the world. You know, I mean, I mean, I'm said for a long time. I'm the guy that you know. And I, part of the reason I like doing doing this side of it and talking to guys like you is because I'm the guy that would would have given 
you know, my left foot to play a year in the bus league. So I, you know, I'm just that guy that loves hearing about it because yeah. I'm kind of living vicariously at this point. But uh, yeah, a lot of a lot of good info out there. You know, a lot of a lot of things for guys to think about. You know, especially the you know the younger guys or parents or coaches of young guys who have that dream. You know, to, to understand like it it is it is a job. It's yeah. not. You know, you don't get to sit around and play Fortnite all day and, you know, screw around with your buddies and then, oh, hour before game time, time to show up. Like, Yeah, uh, the funny thing about that is uh, <laughs> I was that guy kind of. I mean, I was, I've always grown up and I was always, I lived outside for the most part right. and played all the sports growing up. And then the thing was I always played video games at night. So, right. and all my friends tease me about it and they all say, oh, the secret is, oh, it was his sit front crisscross applesauce and eat pizza rolls <laughs> and that's what got me to throw hard but i credit to my brother and growing up with him and his friends and being the younger guy i right. got picked on so the way i defended myself was i threw stuff <laughs> so i credit him on making me practice throw hard so i credit him with that part now you uh you said earlier that you're not really uh you, you haven't had knock a uh, knock on wood. I don't want to jinx you here. Haven't had much in the way of arm issues, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, do you have a specific routine? Do you have a specific program you follow? Uh, was there something you did growing up versus college versus now? Uh, I when I was younger, I was I don't know when it was. I think I was like fourteen, maybe thirteen, fourteen. I, I did some weighted ball stuff. It wasn't driveline or anything. It was called the athletic pitcher program. Uh, so I did some weighted balls, and I saw my velo go up a little bit. But that was probably it. It was it could have been the balls, but it could have been me also growing at that point. Right. So I mean, I was still growing. So uh, I didn't go in the weight room at all during high school. Wasn't like ne- it just never went. So I was naturally, I guess, my arm was naturally whippy. Uh, Not a bad problem to have. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so then uh, I guess right when I got to college, I think. The only arm care I did was bands, right. and I do some arm care like before I'd go out and do like some external, internal rotation kind of stuff with the trainer. Uh, but that was about it. And then as you progress, you could do more and more arm care, and then uh, you do more band stuff before and after your your outing, and then you're doing it whenever you work out. You're working. You're doing all different parts of your shoulder your forearms so it was all like now you you kind of know what you have to do going through everything so you have a set routine and then you can just pick and choose which ones you want to do right interesting because i know that's that's one of the big ones you know you 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 look through any form of social media and it's you know this program that program this program that program and you know it's just it's interesting to hear what everybody who's gotten to yeah uh, i mean a lot of guys are trying to get velo fast but right. in the long run it's it's not a, a quick process to do it's it's trying to put everything together and being able to have your body fully mature and because if it's not fully mature then your body's not going to be able to handle the stress that you're putting on it and that's when injuries are going to happen so right and that's I, I think that's one of the more common things that's starting to come out now is you know the building too much velo too fast from these programs from different yeah. things is, is really causing more damage than anything else I'm, i remember talking it was during the mini camp i was talking to one of our our trainers and they were saying they like northern pitchers because they have the built-in break of not throwing during the winter so they like the northern pitchers and then the southern hitters because they get to hit all year round right and it doesn't that doesn't really affect anything but they like the northern pitchers because they have that three-month 
hiatus that they have to take because of the weather. Right, because so you, you can only throw so many bullpens yeah, to, to nobody. And some guys, like, I never threw during the winter. Right. Until when I got to college, it was always, okay, I start in December and then start throwing again, or you throw off the mound in January. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's I mean, I built a, an off-season program for my guys at the high school, and that's exactly what we did. You know, come September, October, whenever your fall ball, whatever it was where you were doing was done, put the baseball down, hit the weight room, and build that way, and then start throwing a little bit in December and then yeah. start off the mound in January and we pick up in March. So you know, hopefully the guys that are listening to it are, you know, seeing some results. I know a couple of the guys are really biblical about it right now, which is kind of cool. But, yeah. you know, hearing it kind of reinforced that way is kind of cool too. Yeah, so, yeah. you know, because I know a lot of guys are just that, you know, throw nonstop, throw, throw, throw some more, throw again. And when you're talking We, we have again, some guys in the org who are who like doing that. And right. it works out for them, but being from the north it's always been in my routine and i haven't had any problems with right. my arm knock on wood but i think that i think that might be a lot of it too kind I of the uh, it. you know kind of the nature of it like you're you know you're southern you're not a southern boy who's out there throwing you know when we're freezing our tails off up here in 10 feet of snow they're yeah. in the middle of their second season you know yeah guys yeah. logging his 140th game pitch down there somewhere yeah. and you know so i thought you know you're not used to that break. I think maybe that break doesn't work out well for you. But if you are used to that break, trying to throw through it maybe doesn't work so well either. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's there's a lot to it from the from a scientific standpoint of changing what you're used to affects yeah. how you do things. So, yeah. So. Interesting standpoint. Um. So I think the the last thing I got here, we're sitting around the half hour mark, which is you know usually my short end cutoff, but. Um, any advice that you have for younger guys who might listen to this, parents of younger guys, coaches of younger guys who, who want to get to that level, be it Division One college baseball at any level, or even up into the I got drafted and I'm playing professional baseball somewhere? It's all about consistency and accountability. Uh, there's going to be days that you don't want to do it and you want to you wanna take, take them off, and then there's going to be days you don't want to lift. I know there's, we had a few, we didn't do a lot of morning lifts at Bonas, but there was a few that you, we had morning lifts and they were grueling and you kind of had to just push through it and, and then just being consistent through everything, giving it, giving it your all and just because it's going to, it's going to come out one day and then if you keep at it, it's going to, it's going to work out for you at the, and if not, it teaches you the work ethic that's going to go on in life where it's gonna. It's more than just a game, and it teaches you a lot of things. That's the good thing about baseball is there's a lot of values that it enforces, and then that you can use in life. And then, but it's. I mean, <laughs> there's a lot of a lot of things with baseball. Right on. So, what's the uh, what's the biggest thing the game's taught you then? Kind of a nice little segue for oh, a, la- a last question. Uh, I know I'm I'm coming I'm coming in hot today. I'm, I feel good about this one. There's there's so much. I mean. I mean, the big one's teamwork. I mean, just being able to do work with others and then being able to communicate with everybody is another thing. And when you're out in the real world, you're going to have to talk to people throughout your work and then being able to do jobs with, with guys, work on projects with other with other people. And then, I mean, there's just so much to it. And then... It's, I mean, I could go on and on with all the <laughs> characteristics that it, it gives is there, you. But is there is there like a, an interesting trust factor when it comes like so you know you you you, tell, you said at one point you got called up to AAA for a spot start, so you're you're thrown to a guy you've maybe never even 
talked to before that afternoon. Like you said, you showed up and, oh, I'm throwing tonight. Like, yeah. not even a bullpen, nothing, just kind of a show. And uh, yeah, I mean, you have to have trust in whoever you're throwing to at that point. It's like, okay, you tell them what you have and where, what you like to throw and then on what counts you, you prefer to throw what. So they get the gist of how you like to throw. Right. And the pitching coach will probably talk to them. Because in AAA this year, I had my pitching coach that I had the year before. So he knew how I pitched, and mm-hmm. so he talked to the catcher. Like, the one game, the catcher didn't even come out and ask me, like, what pitches I threw. And I'm like, <laughs> does, I'm out there. I'm like, does he know does, what does I'm throwing? What, does he know what's and up? he's putting down the signs. I'm like, eh, I, think, I think he knows. <laughs> so, so at that point, I'm like, okay. And, he didn't, and usually they come out right away, and they talk to you, and right. he, he didn't do that. I'm like... And he wasn't like he hit the inning before, so he didn't catch the four pit or the warm up pitches before the inning. So I'm like, does he know what I throw? <laughs> and then like, what signs to do? Like, if there's a guy on second, and he's and then like there's a guy got on second or whatever, and and he's like doing this and like signaling to me. I'm like, okay, I usually do something else, but if he's saying that, I'm gonna check to see if he does that. And then we ended up getting crossed up. <laughs> and then, like he, he's like, "Oh, I, I messed up." And he's that, like, that seems like but it worked out because he fouled it <laughs> off. And he's like, "If he didn't hit that, I would have died," because it was a fastball and he thought curveball, so he went down to get it, and it was like right in line with his face. Oh, jeez! So it would have been bad if he didn't foul it off, but he fouled it <laughs> off and saved him. So it all worked out in the long run. But awesome! That's like again, so cool. I, I love this stuff. Um, Anything else for, you know, anything you want to talk about, anything you want to say, shout-outs to anybody? Uh, don't let being from a small school hinder any of your beliefs and being able to go wherever you, wherever you want because baseball is a game where with now social media going out there, there's with – and then I, if you follow Pitching Ninja, he he has a <laughs> account now that it's called, I think, Flat Ground where, yep. where you, you can send videos in to him and he'll post them and then i know some guys get i have saw a few guys get draft or signed mm-hmm. from from there they put videos up and then you, they put all their velos up and that kind of stuff and that's just another way for colleges to use it as well but uh being from a small school you can get out there and do tournaments and then you can get seen but it's you're not you're not always gonna be from a, or from a big school right a big college so you're gonna get seen if if you have the talent so right awesome any uh shout outs thank yous any, anybody want to want to say uh, that just all here? my teammates that i've had and then obviously my parents putting up with all the tournaments <laughs> they drove me to uh ever all the gear that they bought me uh supporting me through it all even in pro ball calling me staying up till three in the morning listening to my games because i'm on the west coast right uh and then everybody that i played with just keeping in touch asking how i'm doing following me rooting me on and then it's awesome man yeah it's good good to have a support system like that too yeah i'm I'm very blessed to have everybody in my corner absolutely well i uh i appreciate you coming on i'm i know i'm looking forward to seeing how you do this year It it was great meeting you you know i'm thankful to charlie for you know hooking us up and you know introducing us glad to be on here you know, anytime you want to come back, anytime you're in the area, you want to, you know, want to stop in and be a guest, more than more than happy to have you. No problem. And uh, everybody at home who's listening, thanks for listening. As always, Tip of the Cap is brought to you by Stinger Sports Gear. Um, you know, if you want to check out high quality baseball equipment that's not going to break the bank, 
look good, feel good, play good. Stinger Sports Gear. Thanks for tuning in. Tip of the cap. I uh, appreciate you coming out. And again, Connor, thanks for ha- thanks for uh, thanks for coming on. Thank you.